It's another prelim week podcast, everybody. This is where we do our best work, undoubtedly, as our previous years have shown us, despite the fact that it can blow up in our face, but we have a bit of fun regardless, and that's what it's all about. So we have an all-star lineup tonight, without doubt. Uh, we've got Tiger71. Welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, thanks, Chief. And Grokodok, one of the uh, our finest who lives out in Geelong Way. You're in enemy territory at the moment, so hopefully you stay safe. Fuck Welcome you. to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I feel, Justin. That's how I feel, mate. You know, growing up in a family of Geelong supporters, uh, can safely say they are my most hated hated team in the competition, bar none. So always great to get stuck into them. And Justin Charles is back for round two after his uh, epic predictions for the Brisbane game. He's back to fling some more crap Geelong's way. Welcome, mate. Well, good to be here. And what about the Oracle? He sees things. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty good predictions, wasn't it? I mean, I, I was sitting there watching the game in the cheer squad, and we just kept kicking goal after goal after goal. I thought, Jesus, he, he's bang on here. This was the only thing that was going to stop us. And uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. Look, um, and and when we get into uh, previewing our, our prelim, I'll, I'll go uh, I'll go further into a bit a bit more detail on on you know what I see for this week and. Uh, I, I was actually on SEN. For those of you that did hear me on SEN, I was Justin from Altona North. And uh, so I, one of the guys on uh, Twitter actually asked if it was me. I, I think it was Ian Byers, I think. Uh, but yes, it was me on uh, on SEN just uh, explaining because uh, um, uh, it was after the interview of uh, Lambert and it was a great interview. And it's you know, just to hear our boys talk, it, it's you know just makes us proud every every time they speak, and uh, they're all out of the same hymn book. And um, I just rang in just as my role as uh, as host of the Richmond Executive Coterie Group this year, interviewing the players, and just from my perspective, when I asked them about the culture, what what you know, why is it so strong, and why is it such a good culture, and you know, um, young Ben English and, uh, and and Ryan Garthwaite just talking deeply into that as to why and uh so that was me yes on sen we're here let's go let's do it what name do you use tiger 71 when you go on sen do you do you go oh, on fuck, mate. you've just yeah mate that's my that's that's a secret dude um secret. Yeah, no, you, I play, do. You, you, you brag on the board all the time yeah <laughs> no, i don't mention my handle mate i don't oh, no, don't, don't mention it then. Um, if you want to keep it secret no, no, that's fine handle. people who know me know who who it is it's funny every time i um get on sen um, my phone goes off. I get texts and SMSs. Most of my client base knows now that I do this. Um, I haven't called them as recent as often as I uh, as I used to. Um, it's because I'm just over the Geelong centric bullshit that um, SEN seems to be, <laughs> and most of the media seems to be driven on. But um, yeah, and have you noticed Richmond doesn't get much airtime now? What I mean by that is we win. Um, you hear everything about our opponent. Hardly anything about um, about our actual game, and then um, when it's a preview game of who we're playing here, all about our opponent and not much about us. So I've just sort of um, got better things to do than than worry about it. That's because we still haven't. That's because we still haven't beaten anyone good. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. Speaking of the media, I will talk about uh, David King after as well, just quietly. I might give him a bit of a a mention. I had a bit of a conversation with him on Twitter today. Do you see he had a bit of a cry when West Coast lost? Because, see, he he did not rate Richmond um, all year, right? First it was Essendon, 
And then he went on to the um, West Coast bandwagon. And when West Coast got done, and, and I knew they'd lose, that's why I sort of said, Geelong will win this, even though I don't rate Geelong. He nearly cried. Um, yeah, no, he, he knows as much about football as my English staff, King. <laughs> All right, before we go any further, I just want to give a quick shout-out to the, the Big Footy listeners out there and our followers on Twitter and Facebook groups and whatnot for listening in live and sharing the episode. Uh, Chris Sidney from the Richmond Brotherhood wanted me to give him a personal shout-out, so there you go. Um, I know we're going to have a, a bit of fun with the podcast later on, but there, there is obviously a serious topic that we'll just talk about quickly as well. Um, obviously, last Monday, the 9th of September, former St Kilda player and Richmond coach Danny Frawley sadly passed away. Uh, he's their coach from 2000 to 2004. He had a, a huge impact on the playing group, just missed the finals in his first year at the club, but made the prelim uh, versus Brisbane in his second year at the club, which was our first since 95, which you actually played in, Justin. And we all know he definitely wore his heart on his sleeve, um, which could be seen when he was bashing on the coach's box window or hanging out the box, yelling at people, flipping the bird. Uh, he did it all, and he, he gave us everything he had, and we'll always thank him for that. Um, it's, yeah, a sad, a sad moment. It's just a reminder that... Obviously, if anyone is struggling out there, to please make sure you do reach out to someone to Beyond Blue and Lifeline. Um, their services are available, so please don't feel like there's no help out there because there is, and um, Danny will be missed. But um, Justin, I texted you about this today, but uh, did you actually end up playing against Danny at all? Because your career's kind of crossed over towards the end there. Uh, so big Lazar Vidovic. Um, who was a ruckman through that period. Um, he actually lives around the corner from me, and we catch up uh, at Central Square at Altona, Altona Meadows quite often, and um, he's just a lovely bloke. But, um, yeah, Danny, he's uh, the end of his career, and I was sort of mid-career by then, so we did sort of cross paths. I never played directly on him. Um, I was sort of up the field a little bit more and, and, and playing in the ruck, Um probably more played on the Wakelands um, than, than Danny Frawley. But uh, what an ornament to the game. I mean, as a player, there's no... I mean, he epitomises the word champion. Uh, he was a champion fullback, played in the era of the, of the true big full forwards. Um, and he, he was a star. Um, and it's interesting to hear the tributes come in and... and People like Nathan Buckley on SEN last week talk about, you know, Spud potentially being one of those big-bodied midfielders because of his uh, big engine and um, ability, running ability. And, uh, you know, just as a player, just a, a champion, I remember looking up to him as a player coming in to the league as one of those guys that respected. And he worked at the AFL, so... Um, when we do footy clinics for Richmond on behalf of the AFL, he would, him and Gary Lyon would sort of coordinate those things. And it was just a gentleman and, and just a lovely, lovely bloke. Um, I really didn't have much to do with Danny. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I can't say that I knew him very well. Um, but once a tiger, always a tiger. Yeah. So just cool. terribly, 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 terribly sad news. And Tig71 or Grock, you got anything to add to that, fellas? Um, look, Danny, I obviously, being a passionate Tiger, I didn't know much of him as a saint outside of just being a neutral, um, admiring um, his ability. <laughs> I knew my dog. I got an English staff. All right, Caesar, just Grock, do you want to do it? I'm just going to have to amuse the dog. I'll be, give me two seconds. <laughs> I can't believe it. 
Yeah, you go ahead, mate. Yeah, obviously, um, Danny's playing career was before my time. As I said, I, I'm only 26, so you know, although I've only been two or three when he finished up, but my earliest football memories were of Danny. Danny coaching us. You know, the 2001 uh, season was really the f- earliest football I can remember AFL-wise. So, I mean, that was always that was a whirlwind for us. Obviously, you know, long-suffering, you know, Richmond fans finally making finals. Then he gets us to a to a prelim, and I think towards the end, he got a little bit lost in his way, and we turned our backs on him a little bit as supporters. I think some of the comments that were directed towards him weren't fair. Obviously, he did his best for us. He took over a club that was in pretty dire straits, you know, through the 90s and and everything. And uh, I thought he did a, a pretty terrific job. I mean, he was passionate. He gave his all, and... Um, I, I'm not sure what what else needs to be said. And as as you said, Michaels, if anyone out there is struggling, just know there are uh, resources out there for you. And uh, to a- any listener on um, the Richmond board, you know I've been open about my own struggles with uh, depression and mental health. And if you ever need to talk, my inbox is always open. Um, back, guys. Um, look, for me, I'll keep this really brief. My brother-in-law is a schizophrenic. So what really resonated me with the whole Danny Frawley about how quick it happened, because I read, obviously, his family's open letter. Um, My brother-in-law, he went off his meds um, thinking he was fine, and then he went really, really south. Thank God he's still with us. But, um, yeah, if you've got mental health and you've got medication, only go off it if your doctor tells you. That's the message I'd like to tell everyone. Um, Yeah, it's um, you don't want to take your life in your own hands when, um, yeah, just medical professional, you know, if you need any help, call out. And then if you know anyone that's doing it rough, always ask them, are you okay? Yeah, spot on. Yeah. So our thoughts with uh, Danny's family and friends and, um, yeah, hopefully they can get through this this tough time together and all the Tigers and St Kilda supporters will be behind them, no doubt. All right, we'll, um, we'll quickly touch on the qualifying final game against Brisbane because we didn't do a podcast last week because I'm, well, I'm sick and still sick, so I sound like crap at the moment, but you can't not do a prelim podcast. So we head over to Brisbane, and everyone talks Brisbane up there. The talk of the town, uh, we apparently didn't know where the airport was. We weren't going to be any good, um, and we go out and smack them by 47 points in a, a pretty comprehensive performance. Before we talk about the game, I want to give a quick shout-out to the flog who was in control of the volume at the Gabba. Uh, when we ran out on the ground, you literally couldn't hear the song at all. I'm not sure if that came across on TV at all, um, but very much a deliberate ploy to keep us quiet. So I uh, fired a few tweets off that we had that the last worked, laugh. Yeah, yeah, we uh, <laughs> definitely had the last laugh in that sense. But uh, no, a very, very solid win. And uh, Justin, I'm going to put it down to you, mate, with your Oracle-like views. You must be pretty happy with yourself. And the team. Look, um, yeah, look, uh, I, as I said, I, I'm, just, I'm just relating um, from my perspective, from a, from a player's perspective, um, what I'm seeing within the group. And it, it started, you know, a long time ago before what we're seeing now. Um, I'm just seeing the evidence of, of, uh, of the work that they've already done. And, and um, you know, from top to bottom, from... from uh, from president uh, and CEO right down to the bootstutter, they've just got things worked out so well um, to how they pick players. You know, they're picking players 
that are, first of all, we spoke about this last time, last podcast, that are athletic, that can run. You've got to be able to run if you're going to be a Tiger Man. And uh, you've got to be of good character, okay? So you've got to be a good person. And how how do they pick that? Well, there's a bit of research that they do. They ask their property stewards, their brothers and sisters, their teachers, you know, what kind of person are they? And and character sort of comes out that way. And so when you apply... uh, a training camp like what the Crows tried to do. <laughs> oh, that worked real well. Look, yeah, I know, right? But that's what happens when you've got dickheads. Like, like you've got Tex Walker who, like, the guy can't even speak. And, like, he's, he's just not a very good leader of men, right? And so when you put someone in a strenuous psychological, strenuous position, you know, the, the, the character's going to bubble to the top. And and what we saw was, like, maybe it was on the edge and, and maybe it was a bit too much. But the players didn't have the character to put it in context and, and be able to handle it. I would argue that if our players did the same thing, it probably would turn us into a better team and a closer-knit team because we would have been able to process it. Now, I believe that, you know, playing the Richmond Cheer song over and over and over, I mean, that's just fucking stupid. I mean, fucking stupid. Right, whoever rubber stamped that is a fucking moron, right? But you know, um, the point of the matter is that you know, picking quality players or, or quality character to begin with is the best starting point. Okay, and so it was really interesting when the when the final started last last week and the ground announcer was introducing everybody, uh, and they said, you know, we're at the Gabatoire. And, and the look on Damien Harwick's face is like, fucking these guys, you know, like, <laughs> it was just, yeah. it was like, yeah, righto, righto, the, the gabbatoit, yeah, righto. Um, and yeah. I, I, I told you to be eating uh, tiger steaks, uh, sorry, lion steaks at the gabbatoit, slaughtered freshly, and, and, and we did. Absolutely, we did. And uh, the one player I want to ask you about, Tiger 71, because I know your love for Dusty Martin is second to none. Has there been a better 14 disposal game than Dusty's? I was actually gobsmacked that he only had 14, but six goals, 13 contested possessions, 86%. And it's funny because we talk about the week before Lockie Neal, everyone uh, wetting themselves that he got 51 touches. Give me 14 touches and six goals every day of the week. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. He, he's, in a, he's, he's in his, um, he's in the zone, I reckon. Like I sort of uh, mentioned about eight, nine weeks ago. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he, he, first half of the year he did the team thing. He was completely selfless. Um, people were knocking him based on his form, but um, like I see all of Dusty's game and with the injuries that we had, he was playing a different role just to make sure that we could win more than we lose. And as the talent started coming back, he started. He's now relishing that he can actually go back to his his one wood, um, and it's showing in his in his form. But um, I have to say um, on the G, uh, on the Brisbane game. Um, they, look, I respect Brisbane in the sense that they um, – let's hope they don't do a Melbourne, but statistically – Why not? <laughs> oh, well, the thing is, the other reason why I say that, it, it'd be good to get another Bye. side. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it'd be good. Look, I like Fagan. I, I actually like him. I've met him a few times. Um, I'd like him to get a bit of success and build that. They've got a bit of mongrel to them, which I like, um, sides to have like we do. Um, but um, – we don't want to be starting games for the past two weeks. Statistically, we've been right under the hammer. And I know we're a low possession side. Um, but we want to be making sure that we're starting on. Um, look, after the bye, we've been one of the best first quarter sides um, and one of the best um, 
and have the best defence in the league, which the media's not even talking about. Um, we can see the less points of any side, and I think our offence is rated third um, out of um, since the bye. So our form's there, but um, these part, I don't know if we've been heavy training load or tinkering with a few different positional changes um, or saving ourselves for the prelim, because you can tell we've learnt lessons from last year and we've enacted some of those. But, um, yeah, no, we just need to be getting more... Minimising our opponent getting so much of the ball. But in saying that, um, like I said to my mate when we were watching the game, I said, look, they're getting a lot of possessions, but they're not hurting us. Um, I, I want to just add Hardwick's coaching was just as good as um, Dusty's form. Um, he's been right on his game. Well, himself and um, obviously all the line coaches too. They, the way they've structured the team up, the way they've been able to reset momentum two times, three times in a game, I've not seen another side do that. Um and your experts like your David Kings haven't even mentioned it. Um, a side can get a bit of a run on us. We will we'll hold them close. We'll get a run. They might be able to stall us, but then we'll kick on again. Um, and it's brilliant to see. And uh, Grok, what about Dylan Grimes? I think it's fair to say that he made Charlie Cameron his bitch again. Uh, absolutely. I mean, right. hands down, Grimes has to be the best one-on-one defender in the league in terms of pure stopping ability. I mean, he doesn't get you know, a high amount of possessions like Tom Stewart from the Cats. But he's just one of these players. He locks down his man, doesn't give him an inch, and just beats them. And he backs himself. I mean, you know, earlier in his career, he'd always take the safe option and spoil the ball over the line, you know, out of bounds and stuff. But the last the last couple of years, he's actually started backing himself in and starts taking the intercept marks, and that's really given us another option to drive out of the back line, which is really good to see. But I found it so funny, Charlie Cameron, in the lead-up to the game, you know, coming out and saying that he played into Grimesy's hands and, you know, he needs to utilise his speed because that's where he'd be able to expose Grimes in the game. And then what happens? He does exactly the same thing, plays right into Grimesy's hands, doesn't get space, nothing. Grimes just absolutely annihilated him and made him his bitch again. I mean, he's going to have to... Co- he's Like, Charlie Cameron's going to be in Grimes' pocket for the rest of his career. Like, it's, he's not going to get a hold of Grimes at all. No, I must so, admit, it looked like there was a bit of mutual respect there, though, because a few times they went to ground, they were tussling, they were always sort of helping each other up and giving him a pat on the back. So I don't know whether Grimes felt sorry for him or not, but uh, although, he definitely did to, the draw. Yeah. To be so, fair... Uh, the Lions kicking inside 50 wasn't all that great to Charlie either. I mean, he's only, you know, what, 176 centimetres or something, and they're kicking it on his head. Like, he's never going to outmark Grimes from the back. It was never going to happen. So I don't think Charlie's form was all that bad given the service that he had, but still Grimes just absolutely tailed him. His, his positioning was fantastic all night. So this is the thing, guys. You don't need to, and this is what I love about Richmond's game, is that you don't have to worry about what the opposition do as long as you execute your plan better, right? Yep. So so you can get a million possessions, but if we're more effective with the ours and we put the score on the board better than you, then we win. And so what was interesting for me in that first quarter is that Brisbane were pumped up. They came out ready to play. They had a good strategy, and they were over-emotional, though. They were over-emotional. Did you see that first free kick that Cameron got? He, he clapped himself and he was like, ha, 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 fucking gotcha. This is how it's going to be all, all night. And he, he was just over-emotional. 
the whole team were over emotional. They burnt so much emotional energy in that first quarter, and they didn't get a result. That they were only half one and a half kicks in front at quarter time. Yeah, they had a lot of possession, um, and yes, they got us to do what we didn't want to do, which was kick long out of defence. We've got to run the ball out of defence and ping it forward, right? So they shut that down, and but we were able to hold steady, right? And so. And, and this is credit to the coaching staff, like you said, guys. Um, they sat back, the coaching staff, they picked it apart and saw what they were doing, made the adjustments, communicated those adjustments down to the players, and the players were able to apply that. They saw, and, and we heard it, uh, and, and what I love about our team too is that they don't hide what they're doing. They said, well, we saw that the Brisbane Lions backs were playing high. We thought there was a, if we could get it over the back, one-on-one to Dusty, that that would be advantageous. And have a look. And that's why we kick so straight is because we were toe-poking them over the line from inside 20 metres. So, yeah. and that's how, it, that's how it played out. And so, um, and from there, it was academic. Once we, once we broke down their, their strategy against us, um, you, you know, it was, it was all academic from there. And, you know, um, uh, Hodgey, like, he had a really good game, a lot of possessions, but he was actually, and this is two games in a row now, he is actually, even though he's getting a lot of possessions and he's, he, he actually uses his possessions quite well, he's so slow <laughs> that the opposition sort of cut him up on the way back. And so this is what we've got to look at and why we don't really need to worry about the opposition when we've got our game up and running because um, as long as we're executing what we want to do, it doesn't matter what they do. Yeah, yeah, great. I, yeah, I like great. that about us, that we just worry about what we can control. And it's a good yeah. call about them being uh, overexcited. It was. And that's probably a byproduct of a, a young team, uh, a lot of their first time in finals. So you know, they've only got one or two players who had had that experience before. But um, I think our third quarter was epic. And just a huge shout-out to Shane Edwards. His third quarter oh, was just unbelievable. Brilliant. Um, mate, I got the tissue box out and pulled the pants down watching that. He is... <laughs> He is dead set. He's like, see, what's beauty with us too is he's, um, if you're behind us and it's third quarter, um, and pe- the opposition sides know that we're a really strong second half side. So they know that they've got to have to score um, if they're behind us. So their midfielders start going, okay, well, we'll just go and full-blown offense and we'll back our mids against your mids. And that's where we, when we've got them because people underrate how individually talented our midfielders are. Edwards, uh, struggle to find another midfielder that's got the IQ he has and the raw talent um, to back it up. Uh, you've got Prestia, who's completely flying under the radar. He is a very smart footballer. And then you've got, obviously, the other the other bigger names. And then you've got the, the snipers, I like to call, like your Lamberts, and Shy Bolton's starting to become one. They're very incredibly high IQ um, midfielders. So when the shackles sort of release, we can go bang, 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 bang. Um, and next thing you know, they're in their nightmare zone because um, we're not only, you know, at the start of the quarter, we're probably nine points up um, and now we're like four goals, five goals in front. So, But Edwards is the kickstarter. He started our engine room and some of his hands, it was like a cross between Diesel and um, oh, Diesel and, and Jesus. He was that good. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> 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 no, he was. He was. He was good. He said it. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. No, he was good. 
One, one of the perks about our game plan is that even when uh, the opposition has the ball, it's still physically taxing for them because we press them so hard, pressure them. They're constantly having to try and run to create space to avoid that pressure. So it sort of allows us to sit back in a rope a fashion, let them spend their petrol tickets, and then we just rush over the top of them in the second half. It's just it's a, it's a very smart game plan that we play. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. And what's good too is it's it's easy to run um, it, when you expend it. I'm not saying I'm an athlete. I'm not I'm an ex-player at, at uh, the level that Justin's played. But um, one thing I learned in my sporting life, it's easier to maintain energy running forward than it is to run back, sideways, left, right, forward, back, sideways. And that's with our chaos ball, our point, opponents have to do. Our guys know that they're going forward, uh, so they run they that way. Yeah. They, yeah, that's right. But then if the ball bounces to the left or right um, – the guy trying to defend it has to turn. He has to go chase. But the the, um, the player that's caused that front front momentum, he's got someone on the right of him or the left of him that will cover that um, cover that ball, so he doesn't have to spend it. It's brilliant the way we do it. It's you mentioned you mentioned Danny Frawley. I remember in '95 he brought out the we used to run in waves of three. Leon Cameron used to be the one at the end of the wave, and they used to share the ball around um, between two of them and then kick it long. Um, we do similar to that now, but now we, you know, obviously by handing, creating the forward momentum. And that's why most of our opponents get knackered halfway through quarters. Yeah. Just one last comment about the game is that free kick, Charlie Cameron, where Hipwood comes in on Grimes. I'm, with the, the whole media uh, scrutiny on that, you know, opposition f- supporter flogs going off on Grimes, oh. diving, diving, rah, rah. I mean, one, it was stupid by Hitwood to do that. You don't ever make contact with a defender when you have a free kick 25 metres out from goal. It's it's a cardinal sin in football. And number two, where's the scrutiny on Dane Zorko, who got done for staging in exactly the same game? Yeah. I mean, no one yeah. made a point about that at all. You know, for me, a defender in a final is designed to do one thing, is to stop the opponent scoring a goal. Score. Grimes yeah. did his job. That shows because he's professional. He's taken advantage of an idiot opponent. Um, and to get a $1,000 fine or whatever it was for it, that's just bullshit. Um, and I, I don't mind Zorko because he's gone, okay, shit, well, they've just got one. Let me see if I can get another one back. Um, that's what professional players will do. Um, in finals, um, it's I've got no issue with it. The ones I have issue with that are repeatedly emphasising free kicks like, um, look, I Brown, the forward at North, yeah, he's a good player, but he would never be a great player. player. Like Lloyd, in my mind, would never be a great forward because he accentuates every contact that he receives as a push or a jump. That's why, look, and the, the flogs in the Cats are going to get upset with me. I don't rate Duckwood. I don't rate him. <laughs> he's, for me... Because he will never be a champion in my eyes. I don't care how often you, you, I don't care how often you bleed in a game, mate. At the end of the day, it's not because of your courage. It's just you got fucking. You're a bleeder. You know what I mean? That's what you are. You just bleed. Um, but he he has made an art to fucking duck, right? And he and he came out honestly. I think it was '96 or '7 when he was ducking like he'd go home and he'd fucking duck under the pillow. His wife would try to hug him. He'd fucking duck under her arm. It was getting out of hand. And he came out in the media and said. I duck because I, in the rules, it will give me a free kick. He actually came out and said it. It's in fucking print, right? So for me, as an inside tough midfielder, he's not one. He's got courage. I'm not saying he doesn't. But he's a ducker, and he will always be a ducker. Um, and that's why I don't rate him. I rate him as a good quality B-grade midfielder. 
um, he just gets a lot of free kicks. Um, but that type of player for me, um, I dismiss. But defenders um, or a good quality that plays 90% of their context, um, contests that they're in hard at the ball and it's, it's only it's not their first action to just die for a free. Um, they're the players I rate. And Grimes is one of those players. He doesn't just die for a free every time he gets touched. Um, like a Selwood or a Duckwood, as people more know him of. Yeah, and I think Grock's going to touch on that a little bit later as well. But um, we'll push on. I think you've got some trade updates, Tiger 71. So we'll get that quickly, and then we might have a special guest joining us not long after that. Yeah, um, I've got, like I sort of started at the beginning of the year, um, well, uh, midway through last, actually. <laughs> this is a good time. Well, watch this wrong. Um, <laughs> one second, guys. Just, if she rings again, just tell her I'm on a podcast. I've got to get my receptionist, my nine-year-old. Go, get out of the room. Go, just tell her if she rings again. My wife's Italian. Just for people. You've got to answer her phone when an Italian woman rings, right? So um, I'm taking a risk here. But, um, yeah, but, yeah, back on trades. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the Brad Crouch rumour. I think it was, when was it, Mick? It was about August yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, all I know is that we need a big-body midfielder. We've identified that a while back. Um, uh, we've shaken the tree. That's what we're doing at the moment. I do know we set a deadline, um, and then funny enough, after I mentioned that, I think the media's come out that the Crouch Camp has set a deadline. Um, at the moment, there's it. from what I got told as of last night, but see, tomorrow I get confirmation on a few things. Um I don't think we're out of it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we're going to be prying a midfielder loose and, it, um, uh, loose, and it's going to be from an SA club. That's my strongest feeling. Um, but one other thing that actually came out, remember I mentioned about the gaff rumour? When was that? Uh, uh, that was season. Oh, yeah. Was it? Oh, yeah. Um, let me just go to the email that I got. Um, and it's starting to come out in WA. Um, just watch this space. Not gaff to us, but something's really going on there. Um and some of the AFL within the AFL, uh, I won't tell the source who told me this, but he got it directly, and I trust him, got it from someone directly through the AFL because um, he works in that space. Um, that just watch, you put your eyes to WA. So something big is going to be happening um, if they don't fix something. And this is well before the Willie Rioli thing happened. Uh, I know this sounds all vague, but again, Tuesdays when I have my... What was that? What are you saying? Yeah, I know. I'm sounding like a uh, Geelong supporter. No, I'm not saying anything. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of backing up. Um, just to keep your eyes at WA, something's going to happen, and Gaff is central to it, from what I've heard. Watch this space. Watch this space. Um, they've, been but, dealing, they've been dealing cocaine or something. Is that no, what you're saying? There's major player unrest, <laughs> and there's, yeah. um, they might be losing a few. Yeah, that, that's sort of something, as I said, that's something that I've sort of heard of. Myself, particularly, apparently, what I, what I've heard was something happened between two rather prominent players at West Coast during the off season, um, and it sort of divided the club a little bit. So, I mean, that that's what I've heard from a couple of people, sort of with uh, waffle connections. Um, and and, yeah, just just on that, Tim Kelly will um, to get the money for him. Will make they might have to uh, like a gaff or someone of that type of note has to leave to make room. Just watch your space um, with WA. Okay, interesting. Uh, any, other, any other player moving? What about the Brandon Ellis talk? Obviously a lot of speculation. Oh, yeah. Gold Coast yeah. interested, Essendon interested. 
um, yeah, the, the whole kit and caboodle. So any any word on that? Yeah, Gold Coast. Um, I sort of mentioned Gold Coast Carlton um, ages ago, but yeah, for me, look, if it was me, if I was Brandon, I'd be going to Gold Coast. The money they've given him, offered him, is is ridiculous. Um, he'll get security and he'll get a fair coin. Um, so that's that's who I'm leaning uh, leaning heavily on. People are mentioning Essendon is coming to the picture. I've asked a few questions, which I'll find out on Tuesday. Um, there's also. He'll never go to Essendon because they are just unreasonable to trade with. Well, yeah. I, I've heard he, he's desperate to stay in Melbourne. Well, not desperate's the wrong word. Um, he, if, if he could get, yeah, prefer to stay yeah. in Melbourne would be, yeah. The, yeah. be the go. I but, mean, um, I've, I've heard sort of Essendon's main targets, though, right now sit with uh, St. Paul Pepper and Patton. Or they've resigned that Patton's not going to be joining nah, the, the Bombers. Yeah, yeah SPP, from what I hear, is their main one, and they're looking at maybe Ollie Wines as well. Yeah, just with us, big body mid, don't discount it. Like, we've got Graham and the others, but um, when I get it concrete, when I know, you know when I mentioned Lynch before and then Shacky News, right? Um, I'm waiting on, I'm getting it from the same guy that I heard those two two names on. Um, So I'm right on the money. I'm not feared. Um, I was pretty specific with those two players, but um, Brad Krause, there's once I know, I'll know on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'll I'll post it on the forums and let you guys know what I heard. All right. If, if Brandon if Brandon Ellis if Brandon Ellis goes to Essendon, he is dead to me. <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. Just saying, just saying he's dead to me. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Tix Thirty One. I think gold, if you if you well if you're Brando, and the money's on the table from the Gold Coast, it's easy coin, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Oh, and it's the length of time of his contract too. Like he's he gets a game with us because see the thing is from what I know, Mac, I love Macintosh, right? But I sort of mentioned this a while ago. Not sure there's anything holding him back, in my opinion. Um, he's an elite two-way runner. He's great, but his disposal, particularly in finals, though he was great in 2000, I love I loved his premiership. Um, so we're trying to grow that area. So Ellis still gets in because he's got that endurance and. Yes, his disposal isn't as great, but he's got, and he hasn't got the penetration of McIntosh, but he can do the short, dinky kicks, which actually minimises his damage, if that makes any sense. In it's my a mind. more consistent kick than what McIntosh is. Oh, in the short distances, he yeah. is. Um, I love Mac's long penetrating boot, but we have players that yep. do that. Um, um, so, and, you know, fucking, can we just say, sorry for going off track, but Caddy on the wing, what a fucking masterstroke, really. This guy, I give all credit to him. Oh, he's been great. Um, the cat flogs were saying he had no endurance. Oh, he's going to be a fucking spud when he came across. He's a premiership player. He's worked on his engine. He now runs all day. And he's, and he's dangerous. How many are dangerous wingmen? Uh, not many. That actually can hurt you. He can. Yeah, he's, he's, he has legitimate goal sense. He knows where they are. Yes. And, and, he, and what I love about him the best, he... He loves to take accountability. He loves it. He doesn't care if the, he wants the ball in his hand, and he doesn't care what stage of the game it is. And that's a diamond dozen. Um, um, you can't you can't get that many, that type of player. You know, you're either born with it or you're not. Oh, I love him. Fair yeah. enough. Well, that's uh, some good updates there. I'm still waiting for this special guest to join us, so we'll push into the VFL just quickly because the the VFL boys have won their prelim against Port Melbourne. So Richmond, 14-15-99, defeated Port Melbourne, 10-13-73 by 26 points, uh, which put us well, put us into the grand final. So 
Just a uh, quick mention to Geelong fans that we actually won that as the home team playing at Port Melbourne's ground, and none of us complained about it. Um, (laughs) So the the boys got the result. We had uh, some good performers in there. Menadju kicked three, Chol two, Paddy Nash two, Markov two, and Butler, English, Weller, Moore, and Arts all with one each. Um, I don't know if any of you boys watched it, but uh, Menadju lit it up in the first quarter. I thought he was really good, and and Big Chol was right as well. Yeah. He was strong, but I have to tell you, mate, Nash, he just continued. Son, I'm glad he signed on for another two years because he's going to slot into our wing. He's uh, He reminds me, I love Greg Tivendale. I loved I loved him as a player, even though he used to cop knocks. I loved Tivendale, right, because he always gave effort, and he had that, yes, that kick could, kick could be a stray, um, but when it came off, it was, it was like poetry on a football field. Nash reminds me of Tivendale, funny enough, but he has a better kick. He's, he's a lot more dependable with Nick, so I'm wrapped. I'm wrapped with Nash. Yeah, no, he's um, he's looking real good, Paddy Nash. Uh, the, the other player that had a good game who has probably been a little bit quieter during the season was Collier Dawkins. He seemed to sort of step up a bit more in the, the cut and thrust of a final, but that was a, a really good result. So the, the grand final is being played this Sunday, the 22nd at Icon Park. We're playing against Williamstown. The game's at 2.15pm, uh, and I'm pretty sure that you you can go onto the VL website and check for tickets. Um, I do think that there still might be some available, so if anyone's keen to head down, make sure you check it out get and get behind there. the boys, because uh, it's a get bloody good there. effort. Like we've spoken about before, when you consider the plays we lost during the year, and we had to keep replacing, 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 to um, to get to a grand final is huge. No, it's awesome. Absolutely. And I think they finished first three years in a row, haven't they? Um, uh, I don't think we finished first in 2017. I know. I'm sure we did. We played first. a grand final, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah but we, I don't think we finished top of the ladder. Oh, yeah, okay. I think I'm sure Box Hill did that year. Top four in the last three years? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Who says that? I, I, oh, don't think so. saying that? I don't think people are saying that. Not now. Not now. No, nah, not now. Certainly not now. I mean, you look at the. Like, the system is extraordinary. I mean, uh, you know, the. How, from as I said, top to bottom, um, it, it's just extraordinary what we've put together. I mean, it's it, all you can do is admire um, and and to have because what can happen when when you're having success at the senior level, the tendency is to drop your bundle if someone's playing ahead of you. Um, but you hear um, you know Lambert come on the radio today and and say part of being a Richmond man is helping the player ahead of you develop, even if that means it costs your spot because you're still part of it. And that, to me, is just ex- it's just extraordinary. How do you stop that? How, like, how do you literally stop that when you've got players that are trying to help each other get better in spite of, you know, them taking your spot? You know, like, it's, that, is, that is absolutely... Ex- it's an extraordinary dynamic. And if, if you wonder why... I, I can predict these, you know, these margins. It's because of that kind of spirit. We, we play, and and to not get corny on you, but when you when you're coming from a from a an energy of love, because that's what it is. I mean, it's it, it's, it's making sure someone else you, you're thinking about someone more than yourself, and that's what love is. And then you look at Geelong; they're hanging on too tight. They you saw them the other night. You know, the only reason why... I actually predicted the West Coast, and if Willie Rioli didn't pop, 
Um, I, I reckon this would have won that. You could see they were emotionally drained. So that sort of stuffed up my tip there. But um, Geelong are hanging on too tight. Um, you know, that they expended a lot of energy. They, they coughed up a five-goal leak. Can you believe that? What a fuck-up that was. You know, and if, if, if West Coast had been coming off like a regular uh, week coming into the finals, they, they would have won that. Yeah, so, I agree. I thought they were mentally fragile as well after that Rioli thing. Yep. Yep, 100%. So it's extraordinary what uh, what our club is sort of putting together at the moment, you know, when, when you've got players, you know, thinking about that. Because the tendency is to drop your bundle if, if guys are playing ahead of you. And we spoke yeah. about that's it on the, on the last Brando. podcast, that's Justin, about... I will stay. I think Brando will stay, myself. Okay. You watch. I think around seeing what his market's worth and I, I think at the end of the day I think he'll take less and stay there's a prediction for you oh, well he's gone I, I yeah from the guy I've heard it from who's who would know um, yeah he's gone it's just that yeah, is he going to stay in Melbourne or is he going to go to Gold Coast he's gone yeah and yeah. The, the, the money being thrown around for Gold Coast and what we'll get for compo for him <laughs> if he does take the the Gold Coast offer, I don't think if... I, I think Brando will probably take that offer. You know, he well, loves the club. He, he's going to want the club to get the best result. Well, to back up um, what Justin's sort of saying, because it's so open and there, there's honesty within players and stuff like that, um, it wouldn't be surprised me surprised me that most of the players already don't know already know his decision. But, yeah, it's just too good. It's just good, too good to pass up. But hopefully he has a change of mind, but I don't see it. I just don't see it's going to happen. But, um, you know, weirder things have happened. But, you know, it's just... You've heard it first if, if I predict it right. Yeah, yeah, it. no, no. I've bookmarked it. I've bookmarked it. But you know what's great? Look, I've, I'm 47, right? I've followed Richmond since my parents came off the boat when I was two. And my dad, as a Spanish immigrant in the Simmons Street, South Yarra, um, commissioned flats, went to his next-door neighbour thinking, because we called it football, thinking AFL was like soccer. And in our culture, is your football team's extended part of your family. So my dad, with his broken English, said to his next-door neighbour and said, all right, who's our football side? And it was Richmond. And the first action he did was go and buy two memberships, um, one for me and one for him. Um, and I have just – someone mentioned it on the boards. The reason why I've just gone off a bit of a tangent, I am just so stoked that I don't have to – I've got a team that I know is not going to embarrass me. You know, I don't care if we win or lose, but a team that's going to give equal effort every time that they play, even if they get done. Um, we finally got that now. And it's and it's and that, for me, is equal to the premiership win. Um, that I've got a team, not that I'm proud. I've always been proud of my Tigers. Like, Richo, he's the one that I used to go to games for, Matty Knights and Broderick. But no individuals. But I used to be disappointed in the whole. And this is really probably the first time I, as a Richmond man, am fucking stoked and proud of the club as a whole because um, I know they're not going to let me down. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think that, that sort of ties in with the fact that the on-field and the off-field are together now. It was yeah. always one or the other. There was never that cohesion between, you know, you know, the off-field side of things and the on-field. It was one or the other. So the fact that we're getting both right and they're both connected and it, it even filters down through, you know, the VFL side, the VFLW side. You know, every it's it's not just a bunch of teams. It's one club. That's what they are, one club. No matter what what team you play for, what what side of the Tigers you play for, you're part of the family. It, that's what it is. It's one big family. And I think oh, that really- that's a, that's a philosophy that I think a lot of clubs should be looking to adopt. 
All right, we'll, uh, we'll start taking a look now at the big game this Friday night, prelim final versus the Cats. And I think it's funny, Justin, that we, talk, we sort of spoke about the Cats on the last podcast about how they were maybe a bit mentally weak after their coach kind of psyched them out of winning at the G. And I agree with you, they probably wouldn't have won if Willie Rioli had played. And now they, uh, they get their chance to take us on. And they're going to be amped for it, aren't they, the Cats? Uh, yeah, I, I, but once again, I think, um, so on SEN today, uh, did you hear, uh, Dangerfield's, um, carry on about the finals tickets going on? Did you, no, what did you What's he uh, saying? Him with his just, son, pumping it yeah. up, get your tickets, screaming. Yeah, he, he was, he was screaming. And you know what? Like, I get, like, I'm an individual. I've, I've done shit like that in the past and I get it, but I just look at, look at danger doing that and i look at our guys like who, who would do that in our team like seriously who would who would ca- they might carry on like that behind closed doors or, or you know to themselves but that is don't that they don't just give anyone any angle to to have anything on them and i i think that just sums up where, where they're at before you know they stand at the anthem just with their arms by their side you look at Richmond with the anthem; that they'll be locked in, arm in arm. Um, I, I think they are; they're hanging on too tight. I think uh, they'll, they'll, there's, they're too, there's too much pressure on them to to fail uh, after having finished on top. They come in as the worst performed finals team in the top four. Um, you know, they're very patchy. I think they're under fifty percent coming in from from uh, from the bye, um, and they're hanging on too tight, like. They're just uh, – I don't think their coach is very good. Um, he was over-emotional in the – if you saw him in the box uh, early in the game, you know, like – and and he was punching the – you know, he was prowling around and, and, and pouncing around in the in the, in the, in the uh, coach's box and, you know, giving it the fist pump. And, and then when they coughed up the five uh, – you know, the five-goal lead, he was very quiet, wasn't he? Oh, you no, know, he was like- – he was on his mobile, didn't you see him fucking screaming at the umpire yeah. and, his, and his brother hocking? That's what he was doing. The point, the point I'm trying to make is that he's got this real um, stock market mentality. When they're up, they're up. But when they're down, they're down, you know, sort of thing. And you, you look at us, you know, we're very very level across the board. And I think, you know, we don't waste we, – we're very efficient with our energy. And uh, I, I think that – well, look, I think it's going to be a 36-point win for the Tigers. I think uh, they'll they'll come out and we'll just grind them. It'll be one of those games where we take the lead in the first quarter and we won't be headed. Yeah, uh, the only thing, I, like I, I'm the only one I'm really worried about, and and because he is a, I mean, we we're talking about him just before, but um, Dangerfield, he is a class act. I mean, he he wills his body to win the game off his own boot, and uh, you know, if it's close, I think he's the real danger. But I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 36 points. It's going to be one of those grinding wins that we grind out like a five-goal lead in the first quarter. Then we go on to seven goals. Then they'll peg back a couple after half time, and then we'll we'll cruise into an easy 36-point win. Actually, so before we go any further, fellas, I think our special guest might be joining us. Uh, we have to thank Rodney Dangerfield in advance for being able to get this guy on board. Uh, Jared Waitley, is that you? Are you here? That's me, Michaels. How are you? Very good, Jared. Uh, what's been going on? It's um, big game this week against your mob, the Cats. But I wanted to ask you about the uh, tribunal tonight with the appeal for Tommy Hawkins. How did it go for you? 
Well, I don't like people trying to portray me as a, just a Geelong lover, of course, Michaels. And uh, Sorry. <laughs> What's that, Chloe? What's up? Stephen's here. Stephen. Hawking. Oh, um, just, uh, you know, the front <laughs> where the in the garage there. Go to the fridge, get him a beer. Dad's on a podcast. Uh, get him one of the cheap ones, Chloe. <laughs> 4X, 4X would be excellent. Fantastic. Yes, locks. What's the code? The code GMHBA666. Gil's just turned up too. Who? Gil. Oh, Gil. Uh, don't give him the 4X, Chloe. You better not give Gil the 4X, okay? Why will he complain the way Chris Scott did? <laughs> Chris, yeah, don't worry about Chris. Anyway, I've got to get back to the podcast, love, okay? Sorry, Michaels. No, you're right, mate. Carry on. Where, where uh, just we? about the, the suspension for Tommy Oh, Hawkins. yes. So let's analyse the profound impact that the seemingly innocuous glancing blow to the earlobe of Will Schofield has on the now stained preliminary final, shall we? It's not at all lost on all and sundry. The irony that this week's opponent for Geelong is captained but none other than Trent Cotchen, who in this fixture some 24 months ago attempted to assassinate <laughs> Dylan Scheel in cold blood, yet inexplicably found himself in a grand final some seven days later, furthermore as a premiership captain nonetheless. That's what I think about that. Well, yeah, but I mean, Cotchen was going for the ball. Tomahawk's just can hit a bloke behind play. Well, I, I don't know about King hit, I thought a hefty fine would be suffice, and we afford to ignore the fact that had the final been in its rightful home, GMHBA Stadium, the incident wouldn't have occurred. This is a direct flow-on for the level of anxiety created by the stadium travesty. Um, Jared, can I say something um, to you on behalf of all Victorians? Go ahead. You're a bit of a fucking dick, mate. Um... (laughs) I just wanted to get that out there. It's just, can I just say, um, uh, the Hawkins incident doesn't compare nothing to Cochin. It compares to Conker's. And Conker got treated like he just, he raped the, um, the, the neighbour's dog about the, the moral outrage of his elbow to that GWS bud's back of the scone, which was a light tap. Didn't make him fall down. And I think you were screaming. I think you actually even squirted on... 3AW when you are on that other station that he should have got six weeks for the cowardly attack. Hawkins was worse. Oh, um, no, not, you know what I mean? When he all almost killed Devin Smith, Reese Conker. I know the incident exactly you're talking about. But... Yeah, 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 he never killed him. Um, Devin almost. Smith, no, no, not even close. Um, I think Schofield, though, can't even doesn't even remember. He actually st- thinks he's still playing the game. That's how badly um, concussed he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does play for West. Coke Eagle, so <laughs> he probably wasn't in He was probably a little bit gone before the bounce of the ball. Even and yeah. what about your, your thoughts on the game itself this Friday? I mean, we know you're a big Geelong supporter. Do you give the Tigers any chance? Well, I think that now with... Uh, I heard you uh, critiquing Paddy Dangerfield's wonderful video with his child that was... We had, a, incidentally, on the beginning of AFL 360 this evening, I thought it was very good, and I think that shows the headspace that the Cats are in, and I think that means the Tigers uh, 
are in a world of hurt. Tom Hawkins that, or not. Is that because... 27 points. <laughs> do, you, do you feel this way, Jared? because Geelong will have a home ground advantage, considering that they've played at the MCG more than Richmond have this final series? Well, ordinarily it would be a home ground advantage, but we do know that Richmond played 17 consecutive games at the MCG this season and never travelled once interstate. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, quite frankly, it's fixed. And that will just make Geelong's victory this week all the more grander for having to play at the stadium built, purpose-built, for the Richmond Football Club by the corrupt AFL. All right, Jared. Enjoy uh, <laughs> Well, we uh, appreciate you coming on, Jared, and uh, I believe uh, Gil and Stephen will be waiting for their beers. Uh, yep. So thank you for Jordan your time. And third I, I, forex. Is he really? Okay, well, uh, oh, I, I'd, I'd wish you good luck, but I wouldn't mean it, so... Pass on our, our best wishes to Ronnie Dangerfield for teeing this up and for getting you on tonight. Really appreciate it. And um, we look forward to seeing you on AFL 360. That's uh, fine. Go Cats. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Well, you know what's funny, boys? On the July, um, Justin's a bit of an oracle, but I've actually had an oracle experience today. Um, two signs that we're going to play other cats. Um, do you want me to fill you guys in the story? Go on. Uh, Go ahead. Well, the first one, the first incident is directly related to Pig Boy Hawk- Hawkins, right? So I cooked a pork um, roast for my, <laughs> uh, my family tonight because, you know, nothing describes Porkins' career as a pork roast. Um, and, um, yeah, it was delightful. It was delicious. And as we were munching down on this pork, it was so good my – my kid, it, 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 you could just tell, I just had that feeling that, you know, he'll, the suspension will hold up, and that happened. Um, and the other thing, too, is anyone got net, everyone's got Netflix, or all the listeners who has Netflix, um, watch a series, it's a series um, that I'm getting into, it's called Mind Reader. Anyone here know it or have seen it? No. Okay, well, it's very, it's actually funny enough, the, the actual plot of the, um, the, the series is very similar. It describes Geelong, really, right? So what Mindbender is, it's about the FBI in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Oh, that's Mindhunter. Mindhunter, that's the one. Sorry, Mindbender, Mindhunter. <laughs> and Mindhunter's about serial killers, right? And you're probably asking yourself, how do I relate crazy serial killers to the Geelong fan base, right? And what's pretty clear and easy, there's two types of serial killers you learn in, in the beginning of the, the unit. Um, you learn that there's this disorganised, unintelligent serial killer, which obviously is the Geelong fan base, right? So we'll focus on that. And a couple of the key points are they they repeat actions for the same result. So we'll talk about their flog of a coach, Scott, right? That whiny bitch, right? <laughs> he always goes on about two top. What he, he always he lies one. He he should stop doing three sixty because he gets caught out and lies every time he's on there. Um, and he came out with a pearler today, which fucking made me laugh. Um, he mentioned that um, uh, when he's in his press conference and they generally talk about you know oh we'll catch you lost against Richmond on your last game, and he always will trot out oh no no that was round X and X and you know that game doesn't has no relevance. He's always done it. And then I heard him when they said to him, oh, look, are you confident about your form um, against Richmond because of the win in round 12? And he actually came out with this pearl. That was great. It was brilliant. Um, typical serial type of, you know, uh, flog mentality. He goes, oh, yeah, you know, I know they had a lot of players out, but, you know, 
um, previous form, you know, previous games do relate and have relevance. <laughs> so that just explains to me the the flog of a coach it is. And compare him to Hardwick, right? So Hardwick is, is the standard bearer. And our players tend to follow suit and we recruit people similar to Hardwick in the sense of moral compass. That's why Geelong are shit. That's why they don't stand up in big games, right? Let's be truthful here. He fluked the flag after Bomberton and the weapon got them to 2011 one, right? Anyone, a monkey, well, basically a monkey did get them to premiership because that was Scott was at that stage, had no idea what he was doing. Um, and then when he started learning a little bit in his mind and they started, you know, trying to be smarter than what they are, they failed at every hurdle. Um, and, and everyone knows that the only reason they play finals is because they're at their home ground. They're the one side out of all Victoria, out of the league, let's, let's be truthful, out of the league, they get to train on a ground that no one else trains on and gets to play on that exact same ground, right? So that inflates their wins. They get about six wins extra than they should get. That's why to not to, – um, and I called the result between Geelong and West Coast. When everyone said West Coast was going to win, I called it. So I'm going to call this one. We'll beat them by eight goals. That's – mark it down. Eight goal win. I, I can see that. I can how, see that. How will happen is we will get in front in the first quarter – we will yep. pour around about two goals, two and a half goals. We will hold them because they're a good second quarter side, right? We'll hold them in the second quarter and we'll just be in front. Third quarter, midway through the third, we'll get up to about 26-point lead. And then Geelong's going to have to do what Geelong has to do. They're going to have to then go, okay, we have to go full attack. And Geelong's defence is shit house. People talk about this number one defence side. Bullshit. It's because you play at that little convenient boutique shanty ground with very narrow corners so um, you can defend front of the footy. You don't defend the width of the, foot, the, the field. And that's easy to defend when the, the, everything's coming through the corridor. That's why teams generally go on the wing to penetrate the forward 50. So he, he that's why their defence, they're going to they're try to attack, they're going to turn over the ball, and then they're going to open up. And the fourth quarter will probably kick about six, seven unanswered goal. That's how it's going to happen, mate. So I'm not even worried about, I'm not even worried about um, Friday. I might not even watch. I might just wait. Oh, <laughs> Uh, well, we'll get back to some point. more of the analysis side of it. I, I know <laughs> a couple of us think that we're, we'll, we'll do it pretty easy. They, easy. The one thing that was noticeable from the Geelong game against West Coast compared to their Collingwood game is they were a lot more attacking, I thought. They were playing the corridor a lot more, and that's what got them that first quarter lead. But I, I just I don't know. West Coast just didn't seem switched on enough to stop it. Um, but the, a couple of players that stood out for me was Tim Kelly with nine score involvements, and Cam Guthrie actually played a really good midfield role and got 33 disposals in the absence of, um, of Mitch Duncan. Do we have to pay any special close attention, maybe more particularly to Tim Kelly, do you reckon, Grok? Yeah, Tim Kelly is is their, their sort of barometer. If if Dangerfield's not up and running, Tim Kelly's the one that steps up and, and vice versa, but... Kelly's more of a playmaker that gets his teammates involved in the play, whereas Danger's the one who tries to do everything himself. So I think Tim Kelly, if we can at least negate Danger's influence somewhat, shutting down Tim Kelly will, will dry up a lot of their avenues to score because he is a is he is a lot better kick of the football than what Dangerfield is. He always kicks it to advantage. So I think Tim Kelly on, on the outside is a, is a much more dangerous option for us to shut down than Dangerfield because da- Dangerfield is going to get the ball no matter what you do. He's just that kind of play. He's going to will himself to win the ball. As an inside mid, it's always tough to sort of shut that down 
100%, whereas I think it'll be easier for us to shut down Kelly with a run with roll than, than what it would be for Danger. So, yeah, Kelly would be the one for me. Uh, and, Justin, the the Cats have been pretty renowned to be a fairly low turnover team this year because of that careful ball movement that they sort of take down the wing. How hard is it going to be or how hard do we have to work to make sure we negate that and force them into making those quick decisions that they don't want to make? Because that's going to be the key to our game, isn't it, to cause those turnovers? Correct. And and I think you've hit it in one there. I I don't think um, it's that they're going to try and, like everybody, every team does this. Every team does this against us to some degree. And then until we adjust and take it away from them, I think... That will be their key. I think they'll try and deny us possession, be careful with it, move slowly up the ground. They don't want to kick into our defensive setup where we take uh, intercept marks. Um, and, and they're missing Tom Hawkins. So, But you, you know who I was really impressed with was that Rudder Galea. He, he was uh, huge. He was marking everything. Um, yeah. He could have ended up with um, you know six or seven goals on that performance the other night. He, I thought he was uh, a real target for him, and he got his hands to a few others, like inside 50, but deep inside 50. Um, he, he's a, definitely a concern, and, and we definitely have to have pressure on the ball coming in uh, so that they don't, they're not able to kick to advantage. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, it was interesting, they were riding off Selwood and, and Ablett, the, the previous week when they uh, when they got beat by Collingwood, but now all of a sudden they're they're back on their bandwagon. I I didn't think Ablett was too bad in either of those games. He's he's one of those guys that you you can't sleep on as well, um, just because he's got so much experience. Yes, he's lost a step, but um, he's he still manages to find his way to the footy. I think you know you you, you sort of ignore him at your peril. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we'll play a hard tag on anyone, even Kelly. I'm, I'm not sure of that. Um, I think we'll just go head-to-head against them and, and, and back our game plan. But um, I, just, I just can't see them. I just can't see them stopping the wave of football that's going to come inside 50. We're going to have the ball inside 50 so much uh, and, and under such pressure um, that they're not going to be able to stop us from scoring. Do you feel like, yeah. the, I mean, watching the West Coast game, they obviously applied a amount of pressure. I don't think it was anywhere near the levels that we're likely to oh, apply. It wasn't. No, oh. it wasn't. And, and, and West Coast was mentally spent. Um, you could tell that on the first bounce. This is, um, yeah, they were mentally spent with the Willie Rioli thing. Um, oh. And their speed was so slow. One of the remarks, i seen that game in the first quarter, even though the Cats came out, um, inverted commas, fast, um, the, I said to him, uh, I actually posted on the, in the game day three, I just was watching two sides that were both incredibly slow, um, yeah. you know, over the ground. So we're, we're going to run them off their freaking legs. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I thought Ryan, I thought Ryan was a real chance. He got him right back into the game and then he just faded out. But, you know, they're, they're very, those two sides, it's interesting you say that Tiger 71. Uh, I feel those two teams, West Coast and Geelong, they're very top heavy. You know they carry a lot of upper upper body bulk, and uh, that that takes a lot to carry over 120 minutes. Um, and and I think our guys we're, we're racehorses. You know, high endurance, high speed over a long period of time. And yeah, I, I think that's where it's going to be won. Like you say, 
I mean, See, there, there's some question marks for Geelong too. Obviously, with with Hawkins going out, they now have a dilemma on where they play Harry Taylor. Do they play? Do they swing Harry Taylor up forward as a second marking option to sort of deny us a bit of aerial superiority without him and weaken their backline, or do they, you know, play short up forward and give us that air superiority air superiority mm. down back in order to stop us having air superiority down forward? So. It's going to be interesting where they play Harry Taylor. That could that could dictate how the game goes for us. I reckon what they're going to need to do. See, like it, what I tend to do is when I look at two teams playing against each other. I um, in the modern game, one of the biggest assets a team can have over the other is speed, right? So that you know, we all know there's two types of speed. You know, ball movement and actual speed um, uh, over the ground. Look at look at the cats wingers. Um, who are the two cats wingers? Duncan. Oh, and they'll probably put um, what's that guy's name? Cam Guthrie. I know you play, play him as a tagger. He swear he looks like a hobbit from Lord of the Rings, just a hairy version <laughs> of one. But um, it's striking. He reminds me. I was thinking he was looking for his precious. But um, they got their, their wings are slow. What's going to help? That's why Hocking brought out the six six rule. I swear to God, just helped along out because they needed it. Um, I looked at the lines of the two sides that I reckon they're going to line up. Um, if they make the mistake and put Taylor in the forward line, we'll crush him. Um, Taylor, <laughs> he, he will crush him. He he's needs to play. play. He's got to play back, I reckon. He's got to play back because that's what he – look, he's an old he's veteran. He's, I rate him as a player, but he has got the ability to – what he still does quite well, he knows how to use his body um, and, you know, to move the forward off his line. Um, but then if you look at the – if you look at – like Narkel, I rate, I reckon he will be a talent. Parfit, if he loses weight, will be a talent. Um, but that's their, supposed to be where their driving speed comes from. Um, and I just don't see it. I, um, Dalhouse, please. Oh, he's um, a shithouse. Please. <laughs> you know, like, seriously. Um, I thought they, he was all right the other night. I thought no, he was all right the other night. No, no. You're getting he's sucked in. Okay. West Coast allowed them Geelong to get away with a lot when they played. Um, I saw West Coast probably played at 50% of what they normally could do. Um, they just weren't on. They, they just weren't the same team. They weren't the same team that we demoralised. That's right. You know, three weeks before. Yeah. Just, four weeks before. Yeah. And the thing is, is that with us, what I love about us is that we have shown consistency um, during games uh, across all of our 10 wins. Um, we rarely have, if we do have a bad period, we've sort of, remember we used to have, even in 2017, we used to have a bad quarter, a quarter and a half in every game. Now we have a, probably a bad five minutes and then yeah. we'll stabilise and take control back. Even in the Brisbane game, when they were all over us in the first quarter, they were only over us for five minutes, yeah. if you really analyse the game, five, seven minutes. And towards that end of the period, we actually risk control back or oh, in the middle portion of it when they started kicking away. So I don't fear Geelong at all. Um, I just don't think we should go in with two rucks if it's going to rain. Well, that um, was my, my next question about the possible changes. Obviously, we saw Soldo and Nate Curvis for the first time against the Lions, and even though Nate didn't get a lot of the ball, I mean, neither did Troll or Bolton, to be fair, when they played, but um, it, I, I like the fact that Soldo gives our midfielders first use. First use, yep. yep. And that, I think that's vital, especially with the six 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 rule and the, and the kind of forward line we have that's so dynamic and dangerous. Uh, the more times we can get it inside there, the better, and it obviously restricts the opposition from doing it too. But, uh, I, yeah, I reckon we're going to persist with it. I'm not sure that we'll make the change. Even if it is raining, I think we might stick with Soldo and Nake. I mean, Reece Stanley, he's an okay player, but you'd like to think that we could um, outdo him over the ground, and Blitzars will probably second off for them, I imagine. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, uh, I, there's no way known they're not going to go with two rucks. What rain, hail, or shine, they will go with two rucks because uh, they're in good down. touch. Yeah, yeah, that, that, they were in they were in really good touch, and uh, and I, I thought we won that position. Um, quite comfortably in that uh, in, in Brisbane, and I think uh, both guys um, have to play. In my opinion, I think Soldo has come um, a mile um, in his development, um, yeah. and and uh, Big Nank, mate, well, he he just has to play. As a, body. Yeah, he, he, as a former yeah, ruckman yourself, how much mm, confidence? If you if you're a young ruckman and your coach gives you the nod that you're going to play in a prelim final, how much confidence would Soldo take into that game? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And the thing is, and he's Nank, he's earned it. He's earned it. Yeah, hundred percent, he has. He's earned it. And look, you know, I'd probably try to stretch him forward. Um, we've got Lynch and we've got we've got Rewalt. I'll just plonk actually Soldo in the back half. Just say, mate, you just stay there twenty minutes from the the centre square. Because my only chink in our the only worry, um, not worry, but the only weapon I see Geelong have is if they go, okay, our midfielders might be able to contain Richmond's midfielders, so we're going to put Dangerfield in the forward line and tell Danger he leads from the square. Um, I don't Danger, I rate him as a superb player, but he's not damaging like to a Dusty if he's playing in the midfield role. Dusty can still score goals while playing midfield. Uh, Dangerfield sprays him. Um, if he could kick straight, he'd be a mega superstar. But what he's really elite at is if he's elite up forward, he reminds you of Deledio. Um who could lead up from the square and, and take a beautiful mark. And then he's actually not that inaccurate or inaccurate, I should say. Dangerfield. So he's my one concern because he will trouble Grimes. Um, it'll trouble most that are on him and he can get a lot of free kicks, Dangerfield, because of his name. Um, that's the only weapon I see that they have. And to be honest, though, the Hawkins being out almost might prompt them to make that move. I mean, despite a lot of Geelong supporters uh, are screaming not to put him forward, but it, it could be a game-winning move. Yeah, but they have to get the ball down there. And that's True. where I think our edge. I, I seriously think Tom Lynch will kick a bag. I've got a feeling he's due for one. And I think, and you look at their defenders, yeah, they've got Taylor. Scott hasn't got the speed to go with him or the endurance. They've got... Um, Blitzers. Um, Bacala, whatever they call him. Yeah, Blitzers. Um, yeah. Collard Jasen had a good then, game last week. And, uh, yeah, Tom he's a spud, well. isn't he? No, Collard Jasen is a... And they've got that Harry guy that looks like my neighbour that mows my lawn. Um, <laughs> just a really nice looking bloke. You know, he's a kid. Should be still at school. And he was getting monstered um, in periods of the game um, last week. No, I can't see... If, look, what's going to be great? If um, if Lynch gets off, off the chain... Um, and then starts getting managed, and Jack's going to get off the chain. And if that doesn't happen, then one of our smalls will get off the chain. I see us kicking a score, a fairly big score. That's um, that's that's the beauty of like that we've got so much versatility uh, into attack, and the spread of goal kickers and and methods forward is just phenomenal. And I mean, it's just. I mean, how good is it being a destination club and having a, a guy like Tom Lynch, you know, wanting to come to the club? And he's just added, he's, he's just, he, he's been exponential in coming into our team. Um, and just the way they, they've unselfishly worked together, Jack and, and Tom, it's just been a pleasure to watch uh, all season long. And then, and then both of those guys, Jack and Tom, can sacrifice their own games, play high, divert, you know, the tall marking attention away and let Dusty run amok one-on-one inside 30, you know. It's just, 
there's so many there's so many strings to our bow going forward, which is just you know fantastic. But I, I'm with you, Tiger Seventy One. I, I, the only one I'm really concerned about because he's a winner and he's a champion at heart, and he, he's got like I, I liken it. He's got the James Hurd sort of ability to take the game on, you know, put the game, put put his team on his back and and drag him over the line himself. And you're right, if he was a better kick, um, you know, it, it, he would be a real concern. But um, he's the kind of guy that will, out of nowhere, just will himself to the football and win it. So, um, yeah, that's Dangerfield. So um, he, he is. I think he's only a worry as you say, when he goes forward. I think in the midfield, we're, we're okay. Um, we'll go head-to-head there any day of the week. But I think going forward, you really have to work hard to shut him down. Yeah, because that, that's the type of player that's really gotten a hold of us this year is that sort of medium-sized marking forward with pace. I mean, you have a look who, who's he's gotten a hold of us. I mean, he's a big midfielder. Yeah, I mean, you know, danger field. Jordan Degoe tore us a new one earlier in the season. It's those mid, those powerful mid-sized media marking forwards that have really we we sort of struggled. The ones that are a little bit too quick for Grimes and a little too tall, you know, for Lockson as well. It's just that that weird in between size that is a real a, weakness for us at the moment. So it's a tough match. Yeah, I think it's funny with you know Tom Lynch. I mean, everyone was against Lynch because of the injuries history and the same with Prestia, you know, all the injury concerns and stuff. But Lynch and Prestia are the only two players in our side who have played every game this year. They're the ones that most people were worried about with their, you know, consistency to be able to get on the park. So big thumbs up to our, our medical department for, for actually getting them up given where they've they've come from. Strength yeah, and conditioning too, man. Strength and conditioning. Yeah. And being in a good program where where you don't have to be the man, you know, you know, you don't have to be going, you don't have to be redlining every game. You know what I mean? Like you've got other guys taking the load as well. Um, so it's, it, you know, it, it is the medical staff, but it's the strength and conditioning, and it's being in a good team, um, and 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 the fun at practice too. Like, don't underestimate having a fun environment. Yeah, just um, yeah. you can't, you're skipping to training. You know, you can't wait to get there. Whereas, you know, if you're at uh, Gold Coast, you're probably going, oh, fuck, I've got training tonight, you know. Yeah, um, going through yeah, the motions for the page. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, makes a big difference. Yeah. Makes a big difference. All right, before we get a, a tip from everyone, I think you had something you wanted to talk about, Grok, about Joel Selwood. Was there a line you sent me earlier today? Yeah, there's uh, two things that I want to talk about, really. First is I want to tee off on all these Geelong flogs whinging on social media about their inability to get fucking tickets to the game. 2017, you have a look. They whinged because they couldn't get games, uh, couldn't get tickets to the game that that was their home home ground, you know, their home game, whatever. Well, what happened the following week? They played Sydney on exactly the same night, Friday night. And what happened? They had... They played an interstate side. They had ample opportunity to get tickets, and 55,000 showed up. This year, they play Collingwood. They sucked because it was Geelong's home game, and Geelong, uh, Collingwood you know, outnumbered them, and they couldn't get a ticket. Fast forward to this week, what happens? They play West Coast, another interstate side, and what happens? They only get 51,000. 
So why the fuck are they complaining that they can't get tickets <laughs> when they're not even buying them when they have the opportunity anyway? Like it's 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 ridiculous. They want tickets, but when they get tickets, they're not using them. They they're just whinging for the sake of whinging and have a typical fucking victim mentality that I think everyone else outside of Geelong supporters is over. Now, on a more light-hearted note, I'd like to take an aim at Joel Selwood for being probably the most selfish player in the AFL for endangering the health of nearly every single resident in the greater Geelong area, health-wise. Only for the simple fact is... I've got an alert today saying that uh, the Geelong Blood Bank is running low on blood donations. Well, surprise, surprise, look at it. What's going on? What happens every single week that Geelong play? Joel Selwood gets busted open. Joel Selwood bleeds. Joel Selwood needs a blood transfusion. So basically, (laughs) Joel Selwood, with his ducking, drawing free kicks and busting himself open, could potentially lead to the deaths of several residents in the Geelong area. So, you know, if someone needs a blood transfusion and it's running low, it's all gone to Captain Duckwood. So, Joel Selwood, pull your damn finger out. Yeah, stop being so selfish and think of the town and the club that you supposedly love. Oh, it's going to be so. It's going to be so good Friday night. You know, at around about eleven o'clock at night, I'm just going to be at the ground, pulling my pants down on my ankles, and just with a beer in my hand, and just laughing at them as they're streaming out of the stadium. That's going to be it's awesome. Gonna, it's going to be so good walking through Geelong City Centre next week in yellow and black, just seeing all the teary, salty vlogs. Oh. Giving mate, me greasies and you know um, what, Rock, I'll come down to the shanty town with you, mate. We'll go down your what is it, the meth land, yes. what you call the mall, and we'll um, you know, we'll actually we'll drive down to Catania Park or whatever your GH. That yeah. sounds like yeah, whatever Kitty, that sounds called. Yeah, Kitty Little Park. We'll just you call it Kitty Little Park, mate. We'll do what I did to um, and I'm happy. I'm proud to announce this. I took a dump <laughs> in the Collingwood ground, right? <laughs> in 2015, 17, right? I'm proud of that day, and I'm proud of that day, right? So we'll do that. We'll go to Geelong, you and I, and we'll bring the toilet oh, paper because yeah. that's a lesson I learned because I didn't have any toilet paper with me <laughs> <laughs> on that night, and we'll go ahead and do it. What do you reckon, Grok? You're in? That, that, that sounds like a very, very good idea. I am down for that. Uh, oh, excited. Can I just say, uh, can I just say those, two, those two points that you've made there, by doing a poo, if both of you do a poo at um, GMHBA's BCDEFG Stadium and uh, people dying of no blood transfusions, that actually increases the IQ of Geelong by about 700 points collectively. Exactly. Be supportive. Me supporting Richmond raced at 20 points anyway. Like, Your poo has more like you. Well, there's no... I blame myself sort of... Your was smarter. I blame myself Collingwood starting to get up the ladder, right? Because, you know, I gave them a bit of intellectual property. And they're probably, you know... They've, they've learnt from it. People say he's copying Hardwick. I don't know. You know what I mean? Put it out there. But it's a bit, um, yeah, no. It's a tradition now. Every flag, go to the club I hate that in that year, which is now so long, and just drop a deposit. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm coming, cats. I'm coming. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, uh, just lay like some bricks. 
those you know those cocktail flags, you know, with the with the toothpick and a yeah, and a flag on it. Yeah. Put a little Richmond a little Richmond flag toothpick in it. <laughs> just just take a dunt there and leave a note. Consider this a, a, another brick for your next redevelopment of this shit ground. That's right. That's right. No, but see, I'm from the western suburbs, well, northern suburbs. You know, I grew up in Broadie. It's the recruiting manager. Yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a Broadie boy, and so you know, we it's not. I don't just do the nice dumping on the um on you know on the, the training base. I actually make sure that you know you have a card with you and you cut a little bit out. Then you go to the door handle and you rub it underneath. That's doing out of control now. Yeah, eat a paella, you know, with a lot of bread. And then yeah, it works wonderful. I'll show you a grok with there, mate. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, we'll uh, we'll, we'll get some <laughs> tips, <laughs> some tips including margin. I don't think there's any coming back from that just quietly. <laughs> uh, Grok, what was your tip for the game Friday night, including margin? Uh, I think it'll be a comfortable win for us. Tigers by thirty-seven. And Tigers, I'm just confirming your one. Yeah, forty-six points, and um, you have Selwood crying to the umps every quarter that'll be caught on uh, Channel Seven, and Scott, um, yeah, will have an absolute fucking cry during his press conference. Twenty-one <laughs> Catman meltdowns. Yeah. Oh Jesus. And Justin, just confirming your one. Yeah, thirty-six plus points, Tigers. And are we doing GWS pies as well? Oh, I actually think GWS will get up. Oh, yeah, me too. I actually me too. Do, They've lost four. They've lost four preliminary finals or three. But what I saw differently in this final series that I have not seen in every one that's consistent is they've got anger. They're pissed, um, and you don't need talent. Just talent. You need work rate. And Collingwood's form. They've got over the line, but they're they're not much. Uh, they've got injuries here yeah, in fairness, but they're not much chop. Um, you get a side with a bit of speed. They've got a few weapons in Cameron in the forward line. <laughs> good midfield. Good back line. If they play angry. Um, I reckon they'll take, they'll beat um, the Pies. Yep. I, I yeah. agree. I, I agree. I think, I think GWS, um, they they play with that uh, unsociable aggression, which makes me laugh because Leon Cameron probably never laid a tackle in his whole career. I don't think he even had a bruise in his whole AFL career, um, and he's coaching them to be tough guys. So I find that a little bit hilarious, but. Um, I love Leon. He's a good bloke, but uh, I find it funny that he's coaching them unsociably. You know, playing that mean style of footy. But I, I think they'll ragdoll them a bit. Yeah, yeah. so do I. Yeah. So but, what do you reckon I the mean, margin for that, that game? Uh, uh, what do you reckon? I reckon thirty-two right. points. I reckon um, if when Collingwood players realise they can't win, they'll drop the bundle. That tends to happen in finals, and the other side just romps over the top of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going 18, 18 to 24 points, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going big. I'm going Giants by 50. I reckon they'll oh, actually absolutely get a hold of them. Yeah, I reckon they'll yeah. they'll come out because, I mean, you have a look. They've made the prelim. I think this is their fourth year in a row now. Yeah. They've made a prelim and have never made a grand final. So I think that's really going to put a sting in their tails and I think they're going to come out and absolutely smash the pies. I don't really yeah. see what the is. I just like yeah, GWS to win. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Saw the, way, yeah, <laughs> saw the way that they were aggressive towards the Bulldogs and really got in their face and the doggies turned to water. I think the Pies will do the same thing because the Pies are very mentally fragile as well. Once the physicality starts, they sort of get timid and go into their shell. So I think the Giants will absolutely rape them. The only thing, the only thing that I think goes in the Pies' favour, and don't underestimate it, right, 
because remember when we played them in the prelim and it was just a seething, it was a seething cauldron of hate. And, uh, and, and I think it's going to be the same, you know, because Collingwood have that same kind of uh, support. I think, uh, you know, that, that emotional wave, you know, it's almost like a 19th extra man on the field, that, that crowd support. So yep. um, they're going to have to bring it GWS, but I, I think they can do it. But don't underestimate the crowd support because it is going to be a, a seething cauldron of hate. I think the crowd will actually play into GWS's hands if they can silence them. If they can silence, say, 75,000 Magpie supporters, that's going to give them a boost as well. Impossible, Grok, because even even if they're down by 10 goals, Magpie supporters are all mentally challenged, mate. They always (laughs) just make sounds, groans, moans. You know, they'll remember something from Tuesday last week and go, oh, oh, oh. On. and that's what you, when you hear 75,000 people saying the same thing, you know, no, but look with Collingwood, with the, um, just go on the pre- preliminary final game of last year. We, we were just, I, I seriously think it was the gastro. I reckon we had, we had dusty on one leg. We had gastro and we just, it was just, we got overawed. We put too much pressure on ourselves. I reckon, uh, I reckon we lost that. Look, no, nothing away from Collingwood. But we we lost that game. They didn't win it. I reckon we've learned all those lessons, and I reckon we get if we can get in the grand final, which I'm really sure we will, we'll romp at home. And I reckon next year, I reckon we'll be contending for the next four years, guys. Get prepared. Yeah. Get prepared. It's going to be great. And, uh, all right, we'll finish that up there, guys. I reckon the Tigers will get up by about 23 points. Uh, to be honest, margin doesn't matter. Just get the win, and, and everyone's going to be happy. No Rock injuries. No injuries as well, absolutely. Uh, so, Grokodok, Tiger 71 and Justin Charles, thank you so much for your time tonight, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, fair to say that podcast went places I didn't think it would in the last five or so <laughs> minutes, um, but yeah. all the more entertaining for the listeners at home, no doubt. Who? <laughs> Who, <Poo. laughs> yeah. Who? Uh, make sure, for those going to the game, just as a final note, make sure you get loud. Just remember that noise we generated at the qualifying final versus the Cats. Let's try and rival that and and really yeah. give it to them and make sure they know that we're here. And uh, by the sounds of it, it sounds like a lot of Richmond people have purchased tickets in the Geelong seating areas, which is a good start. So <laughs> give him hell, everyone, and uh, make sure you get nice and loud and really get behind the boys, and hopefully we can advance to the grand final. And then uh, on Sunday, hopefully the VFL boys can, can win the big one. So thanks so much for your time, guys. Until next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also, keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go, Tigers!